Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. You know, season two is just unveiling and already exceeding my expectations. And I've come across another amazing heart-centered leader that I'm really excited to introduce you to. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. His name is Oyama Garrison. He is the president and chief executive officer at A Kid Again, which is a nonprofit organization providing ongoing adventures for kids facing life-threatening conditions. So near and dear to my heart. I love this. I can't wait to talk to you. A Kid Again provides hope, happiness, and healing through ongoing fun activities, which they call adventures. Oyama is a former insurance company executive for over 20 years. He worked at State Farm Nationwide, Allstate, and Jacobson, and he currently serves as a director on the board of Buckeye Insurance. So Oyama, welcome to the show. You know, Deb, I am absolutely thrilled and excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Well, you know, I join you in the ranks that I I also worked as a medical case manager in that corporate insurance world. And I always am enlightened and, and delighted when I find another person like you who has found a higher purpose and and left the corporate world. So I'm going to I'm going to jump into my leadership questions because there's so much richness that I know you're going to bring to this conversation. So share with us because I know there's a story. What brought you to the decision to leave your corporate job in the insurance industry and start the nonprofit? So uh, first and foremost, Deb, I got to tell you, this is an absolute pleasure to be able to share my journey because I know that ultimately uh, there are many others out there that have probably been on a very similar path and some that are probably right there on the cusp of making these types of decisions. And so for me, this is just my own personal journey, which is uh, there are people who walk into this world of the nonprofit and the service and and the ability to do good because they know that that's their calling. They knew that's exactly what they wanted to do. Some people actually do it the minute they come out of college or the minute they come out of high school. For me, that wasn't the case. I was very much into community service, very much into volunteerism, very much into giving back in the community, but I never really envisioned and saw myself serving in a full-time capacity in the nonprofit sector until 2016. And so I'll share very briefly, which is I've spent a number of years in the corporate environment in the insurance industry, some wonderful companies, helping people really further and advance their careers, making people extremely wealthy as well in that process. But much like in anything else, if you truly want to climb up the ladder, you find yourself sacrificing a lot of your personal time. You you find yourself sacrificing your family time, 
to continue to climb up that proverbial corporate ladder. And that's exactly what I did. I found myself terribly imbalanced in life, spending a lot of time on the road traveling, a lot of time in the office, a lot of time in the business structure. And October the 1st of 2016, when I was home, uh, which was a Saturday, wife and I dropped off our daughter uh, so that she can go uh, to cheer on the freshman football team. And so I'm going to spare a lot of the details here because of the time. But she was a healthy 14-year-old young lady and dropped her off so she can go and cheer on the football team. And in the midst of everything that was happening, our daughter, who said that she wasn't feeling too good, all of a sudden collapses. And so in the midst of all of that chaos, we end up at the Children's Hospital, Nationwide Children's Hospital here in Columbus, Ohio. And in a span of 30 minutes, our daughter went from a seemingly healthy young lady to literally losing her life for the better part of almost 10 minutes, meaning she flatlined, no heartbeat. It's more to the story. But that moment, that moment of saying, you know what, I could have been somewhere else doing all these other things and missed this opportunity to have been there with the family and could have missed this moment where we could have literally lost our daughter forever. Great team at Nationwide Children's Hospital. They were able to resuscitate her, get her back to be a part of this world. And so today she's 19 years of age. She's, uh, she's attending The Ohio State University. She's doing wonderful. But it was in that moment that I had to take a step back and go, what's most important to me? And I realized it was my family. No matter what other gifts you get in life, no matter what other things that you can achieve, if you don't have that very centered thing that is important to you, nothing else will matter. And so it was in that moment that I felt like I got pushed, pushed to say, I need to do something different. I need to make a difference. And the way that I can do that is by entering into, at least at that moment, into the nonprofit sector. And so I had great conversations with a number of mentors and many of them said, oh, just go serve on a board, you know, go do all the things that you've done in the past. I said, no, I really want to immerse myself in this world, in this, this world of goodwill and be a part of it and bring the skill sets and the talents that I have to help make a meaningful difference in the lives of so many others. And eventually this organization, A Kid Again, was presented to me now in its 26th year of service. I am now uh, in my fourth year, going into my fourth year as the national president and CEO of this organization. And I will tell you, it was that push on October the 1st that led me to this wonderful opportunity. And every day I wake up, Deb, every day I wake up, I get to live a simple four-letter word. And you know what that is? Good. Yeah. It's good. I get to know that every day I get to do some good because somewhere out there, there's a kid in a family that's creating memories, that's smiling more, that's laughing more, and that's having fun because of the work that we do here at A Kid Again. It's, uh, this is like a goosebump moment. I'm sitting here cheerleading in silence. You know, what a beautiful story beautiful outcome to hear that your daughter's doing so well. But what I love the most about it is two things. You said 
the you knew you were climbing that proverbial ladder but then you got a sign and you got it that's it a lot of people don't you know have eyes open ears open i don't believe in coincidence i i don't believe in serendipity i believe when we catch those moments or those intersections and we get it that's powerful you know i had a great mentor once tell me um, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And Maya, I will tell you, Maya Angelou. And I will tell you, it has been in this moment, in this service work that we've been a part of, that my family's been a part of, that I've had the pleasure and the honor of being the leader for, is where all of that comes to life. Absolutely. And, and you know, the other cliche that we always hear it's not about the money, it's about the moments. That's right, that that's, is right. That's beautiful. Okay, my second question uh, I decided is gonna have permanent residency on our show because we're just, uh, we're in season two, which I still pinch myself and can't believe. What imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? You know, the great thing about being a servant leader, the great thing about having pure heart and passion and purpose uh, is always wonderful. But the one thing that I do know that I struggle with often is patience. <laughs> and uh, as, as simple as it may seem, and in part because the work that we do here, at least at A Kid Again, we know that there's a child out there that could be living the last six months of their life. And what we wanna make certain that we're doing is that we're providing as much as we can in terms, and as many as we can, in terms of the adventures and the opportunities so that they can go off and have some fun and create memories with their families. And so when I think about that, even as a leader, you know, the one thing that we often have to, to wrestle with is, you know, what are those imperfections? And I know for me, a part of that is just patience. The ability to know that, you know, you gotta, sometimes it's just, you wait, <laughs> you plant a seed and eventually it will grow. Uh, some people want the fruit to come immediately. I used to be like that, and I am learning from those imperfections. It's it's the hardest virtue to exercise, and I think it it makes us all encompassing. It's it's just that virtue that we try and be a little bit better each day. And I right. think um, a lot of my guests have joined you in that that impatience, imperfection, but. I think impatience too is just our, our excitement ready to be unleashed sometimes as well. Absolutely, it can be. I mean, we just, you're eager, you're ready, you're excited, and you just want great things to happen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, I asked you before the show to, to write for me what you thought were your three words or three things that you thought about for leadership. And I'd love you to, to unpack this a little bit for us. And you said service be the example, and then you wrote to lead by example, and then sacrifice. So tell us tell us how those three landed up in your leadership toolkit. You know, to be an effective leader, that means you have to be a leader that also recognizes that you have to be able to provide some level of service. Um, and no matter what that is, whether you're a coach, whether you're the teacher, whether you are helping to drive something, show up. To me, that's what that really means. It's in service, that means we need to show up. And it's, it's always easy for some leaders to just dictate, to prescribe, 
But if you really want to be an effective leader, it leads into bullet point number two, and that is to be the example and to lead by example. You can't ask your team to go charge a wall if you've never charged a wall yourself. Uh, you need to be able to help them and show them the path. That's what I've been taught. That's what I have seen of some phenomenal leaders uh, over this very short period in time that I've been on you know, God's green earth. And I have seen wonderful, wonderful things as a result of that. But it also bleeds to sacrifice. And so I will tell you that in order to be an effective leader, they will at some point require you to sacrifice something, whether it's your own personal time, uh, your own personal talents, treasury, whatever the case may be. And so as I think about all three of those things, you know, that service, mm -hmm. be the example, to lead by example, and to have some understanding that to get to where you want and to be the most effective leader, it will require sacrifice. And here's a good example. You never know when an employee or a client is going to call you because they're experiencing some level of trauma or anything else. And you need to be there because if they're calling you, that means they trust you. They have a relationship with you. They're connected with you. And what they're asking of you is to invest your time in that moment. Don't care if you're on vacation, right? That you have to be there and know that that's what you really truly want to do. Aim accord, they know that you are there for them. Absolutely. And I want to circle back for my last question because you made a good point about the imbalanced executive and the crossroads for me is I used to work in the in insurance industry as a case manager and my final li line that I drew in the sand was I had five executives all off on a short-term disability claim due to stress and I landed up holding all of their hands in hospice. Oh, wow. And the last two things, they all said the same two things to me. And I thought, this is not coincidental. And it, and it was always a joke because my name is always said like it's one word, Deb Crow. It's either a pronoun or a verb. Hey, Deb Crow, or how are you going to Deb Crow this? And all these executives said two things. I didn't speak my truth. And I chose to work in a toxic culture. So my question is, what advice do you have for the listeners who are looking to be progressive and successful in their career and, and climb that proverbial wall? Because you had that moment in time, that heirloom moment with your daughter. It wasn't your health, but it was your family. And it was a no-brainer for you. You were like, now I'm going to change. What advice would you give to someone who's younger wanting to, you know, climb that ladder aggressively because that's their interpretation of success? What words of wisdom would you impart on them? So a couple of things that I would say is, you know, number one, yes, there's going to be some level of sacrifice and we know that, but here's the reality. You don't ever want to wake up and look back and go, I wish I would have. So give it a try. Step out on faith. Take that jump. Go out and give it a try. You won't know what you're able to accomplish until you get out there and start trying to do it. 
you know, I started off many years ago, back in 2010, started this thing called running, <laughs> right? And I did it in part because I just wanted to be healthy. And I wanted to be able to show my kids that they can also do things outdoors and be healthy. And I share this to say this, when I started running, I really could never envision myself running longer than or farther than a mile. And today I get to say the furthest that I've actually run has been 50 miles. And I share that because here's the reality. If you don't give it a shot, if you don't go out and try, you'll never know what it is that you're going to be able to accomplish. But you also have to be able to follow your passion. Don't set aside the things that you find to be true to you so that others feel good about themselves and or that you feel locked in financially or in any other capacity. Stay true to who you are. Follow your passion and your dreams. The best thing that you can ever do is go out and live your passion. Because when you do, the money will follow. Don't follow the money. Don't follow the title. Titles come and go. Money will come and go. At the end of the day, you're due north is what I like to call it, right? You're due north. Stay focused in on that and just go after the things that you know that when you wake up every day, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like you're living your dream. Yeah, that's great advice. I call it the North Star. Similar, similar languaging. Very, very true. Great advice. And you know what? I like to throw in, it's okay to fail forward. That's right. It's, uh, it's okay. We've all landed on our kneecaps and it's getting back up. It's, it's allowing yourself to take your toe, even if it's your toe, and just step a little bit out of that comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. We don't grow by being comfortable or being complacent. You know, I, had a, I had a great mentor who will share that exact same advice. The minute you find yourself comfortable is the minute you should immediately make yourself uncomfortable. Well, it makes me it makes me think of brands. You know, I think of Sears. And I look at what happened to them. And now I look at Amazon. And it's such a great example to talk about, even on a leadership podcast, because when you get comfortable, you get lazy and lazy is the on-ramp to complacency. And then everybody else is out in the future going, let's look into the future and see what we can be and do. And then they bring it back to the present and they do it. Great example. So leadership is the same. People don't realize, and I'll throw another kind of comment question in here. When you lead at your level, people think it's all rainbows and unicorns. And I'm, I'm being funny here. You're navigating a ship right now, trying to keep pointed at the North Star through the tsunami. You are expected to do what you do at a very high level, even though you're still driving through the tsunami. And I think people don't realize and have a perception that being a CEO at any business, it's, it's a hard, hard position and it's not for the weak. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you have to navigate every day. Uh, tons of constituents, tons of opportunity. 
you've got to, in essence, almost have your your fingers into a couple of different areas, not necessarily from a micromanagement perspective, but a knowledge because you're expected to know uh, and or at least to be able to continue to push and drive. So there's a lot that comes along with it. And leadership is not for the faint at heart. And it is certainly not for those who want a lot of glory and or attention as a result of it. Because I also had a mentor who once said, uh, it's our jobs as leaders to absorb the heat and radiate the joy, right? And if that is the case, then it's also up to us to ensure that when things are going well, we are spreading those accolades out. And when things are not going so great, that we're stepping forward into the spot and taking that all on. And then we manage everything else from there. So that's our jobs. That's our role and responsibility. But everyone can be a CEO. And that's what I share, which is you are the CEO of you. You can build your own board of directors. I know some people call it their kitchen table, right? So you can start with you and start with you incorporated. You're the CEO. Where do you want to go? How do you want to manage yourself? And what feedback do you need from others to ensure that you can achieve those results and the outcome? Well, and I love that. It's one of the things that I've tried to impart with this podcast is that leadership belongs to everybody. Right. You, don't, you don't need a title, a stature, a big long list of roles and responsibilities. And, and what you just so beautifully crafted there is heart-centered leadership. And you can be vulnerable and transparent while you're leading because you're not perfect. You're imperfect. That's right. Hence the name of the show. Did we just come full circle there, I think? All right, I'm going to switch to my Fab Four. These are just my fast Fab Four. We want to know what's on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. So first question, tell us something that we don't know about you. So I am a radio DJ or former radio DJ back in college. We called it the WDUB, the doobie. So I had the late night time slot. Uh, yes, this was back when we had record albums. <laughs> <laughs> and CDs uh, and cassette tapes. And so it was all fun and I absolutely enjoyed it. I so love I was a campus DJ. Well, and think about all the transferable skills you've packed up, probably that are, are evident every day in, in your role as CEO. That's a great, that's a great story. All right, finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? Leading with passion and purpose. Love that. Share with us a book that you are reading right now or that you have just read and the author and the title and tell us why. So I'm actually rereading a book that I have enjoyed for quite some time uh, that I have shared with a number of people and it's what got you here won't get you there. And the intent behind the book is to help people understand that you bring a wealth of skill sets and talents to the table and that's the reason why you're performing so well where you are. However, once you get to the next level, whatever that's going to be, whether it's a director's role, a CEO role, whatever the case may be, the requirements are going to change a bit. So you may move from tactical to strategic. And sometimes you have to be able to filter between the two. 
And so I love this book. Anytime I uh, onboard new employees or if I'm going out and speaking publicly to young professional groups, I often encourage them to pick this book up because it's a great way for them to understand that all those wonderful skill sets that got them noticed is wonderful. They're going to have to now step it up <laughs> because the requirements are going to change a bit, especially as they start to climb that ladder. Absolutely. That's great advice. Who is the author of that book? Uh, Jack Goldsmith. Jack Goldsmith. Okay. Another great book. I'm going to have to make a list from all these great books that we're being, uh, we're chatting about on the show. All right. My last question is what is one thing you would like our listeners to remember about you? You know, at the end of the day, if you could bring a smile to anyone's face, you've done good for the day. We have the power within us to make a meaningful difference in the life of someone else every single day by doing one thing that cost us absolutely nothing. And that's how do you bring a smile to someone else's face to light them up, to energize them and just keep on moving. Well, and in your case, it's that four, four letter words, being good, being heart centered and being kind is such a strength and it's so easy to do and you emulate that in the role that you're doing now and i think you've landed where you were supposed to land it's so evident and and you you have such a proudness to the role that you're doing now and we're lifelong learners when we when we stay open-minded and keep mentoring and strive to mentor i think it allows us to be that strategist that you talk about but it's so aligned with our heart-centered leadership. It's a good place to be. Absolutely. Well, it was delightful to meet you. I'm glad our paths crossed. I always tell all my guests, you're stuck with me now. It's a life sentence. This is a, a relationship to, to have future conversations. And I just wish you all the best. And I'm, I'm very grateful for your time today and your expertise, but more importantly, for sharing your heart. Thank you, Deb. Thank you to everyone out there. Continue to live your passion. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.